Can we review our status here, Cy? Let's look at this thing from the uh, from the uh, standpoint of status. Can't go backwards. Can't go forward. What am I gonna do? Hey, what happened? You have nothing better to do at three o'clock in the afternoon. Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. This is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home. Here's what's happened so far. All right, what's happened so far? We we talked about uh, the pinstripe bowl tomorrow. We actually talked about the football part of it. I I think for the first time. So that that was something. We brought up the players that are actually going to be in attendance and participating in the game tomorrow. So that is uh, news. They will be on the field tomorrow at uh, two o'clock. We got our Sacco six pack for Mario, who is somewhere in a parking garage next to Yankee Stadium just now. And we give you the picks from the man who sort of knows. Uh, with one potential addendum here, if you're if you're no longer keen on the over in the Raiders-Niners game because Jarrett Stidham is now going to be prominently involved and Derek Carr is not going to be uh, wearing a jersey for the game, uh, Gino Auriemma is back on the Connecticut bench tonight. He's only favored by nine on the road at Creighton. So, yeah, Connecticut usually wins by more than nine on the road at uh, anywhere. So if you want to flip that out, do with that information uh, what you will. And uh, with that, back to the phones. Friend of the show, Wes Durham, is on the line. Wes is uh, uh, somewhere in New York City. Wes Durham, welcome. Uh, where, where are you, Wes? What are you up to right now? Uh, Lower East Side at 8th and 35th, and may or may not be enjoying an adult beverage this afternoon. Brian, how are you? Well, uh, you know, I, unfortunately, I, I know where I am, and I'm, I'm not doing the latter part of that right now. So. <laughs> well, let me tell you, the... the uh, Lower Manhattan period is always an experience, right? Around the holidays, you uh-huh. agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, there, there are parts of Manhattan that is like a, as I always like to tell people, a cultural atom smash if you'll let it become one, right? So that's been good today. And uh, by the way, it sounds like both teams have had a terrific time here. So kudos to John Mosley and uh, Steinbrenner's, everybody involved with the Yankee organization for the game tomorrow because. I know we're excited to be part of it from a broadcast standpoint, but the teams have really had a nice time. So that's a that's a huge feather in the cap of the of the bowl trip system that sometimes takes a beating this time of year. Yeah, well, have you done the pinstripe bowl before, Wes, or is this your first one? Never. No, this is my first time. Uh, this is uh, Roddy was scheduled to do it last year. Didn't work out for him. I know he was with you earlier this week. And when we got the assignment, we were we hadn't had Syracuse. Now here's the irony too, Brian. We hadn't had Syracuse, as you know, all year long, right? right? And now all of a sudden, we get Syracuse in the postseason. And I did the football tour up there and talked to Dino, you know, intermittently throughout the course of the season a little bit just for fun. And um, and now I'm glad we finally get to have them. And it's a, it's a hell of a game now. Minnesota is Minnesota's impressive. And they're playing a lot of guys. And I know Syracuse has got some guys that have opted out or – you know, going to go to the draft or hop in the portal, whatever the case may be. So it's a real challenge for the Orange tomorrow against the Minnesota team that I think is going to be interesting next year in the Big Ten West for sure. Yeah, and, you know, we, we had Rowdy, as you said, on yesterday, and we talked a lot about, you know, what what does bowl season mean 
uh, nowadays. And I think you kind of hit it a bit with the pinstripe ball, right, Wes? Because, you know, okay, you want to go to warm weather. You want to go to Florida or something like that and hang out by the pool. Like, obviously, the pinstripe ball is not that, but it feels like, you know, the Yankees and the pinstripe ball have, you know, they've embraced what they are, right? And that, that's what they're offering with this bowl game. Well, and, and here's the other thing, too. They've got a unique environment to stage the game. First of all, an iconic venue, which you can't get many other places, right? I mean, you can play in the Rose Bowl or you can play in Yankee Stadium. That's kind of the way it shapes up for me. Um, and if you play in the Rose Bowl, then that's that's a unique environment, right? And an iconic venue. Mm-hmm. If you play the Pinstripe Bowl in Yankee Stadium, I don't care if there are 300 or 30,000 or 300,000 there. You're still playing a sporting event in Yankee Stadium. And Yankee Stadium, in its original iteration, was known for college football, mm-hmm. uh, albeit huge games. That's where Notre Dame, by the way, in my opinion, was born, was their ability. Newt Rockney brought them east to play Yankee Stadium. Uh, it's been the home of terrific HBCU games in the past. Uh, not to mention, you know, the greatest game ever played was at the original Yankee Stadium with the Colts and Giants years ago. So those concepts bring everybody generationally back to the venue. Now, granted, we're at the third version of Yankee Stadium, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still a venue that, you know, harkens memories and echoes. And every kid playing in this game tomorrow knows who Derek Jeter and Aaron Judge are. They both played in this ballpark. So you do have some connection there, and I think that's valuable. And then here's the other thing, too. It's an ACC Big Ten game. We don't put these conferences too much together. Uh, they're not going to be connected, as we now know, basketball-wise, very much anymore because of the television rights game. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how this game continues to move forward because it's been, relatively speaking, a fairly competitive venue and a competitive bowl game for the most part in the last five or six years. Yeah, so, you know, through the history from uh, Newt Rocky to Alan Amici and now to Garrett Schrader playing in uh, Yankee Stadium and Mo Ibrahim. And we'll see, the Arch did play a Big Ten West team this year and did beat Purdue uh, way back in uh, September. You know, West and West Durham is our guest. I'll have the call with Roddy Jones tomorrow on ESPN. I've had uh, several callers today asking this, and I don't know if there is a great answer to this. You, you know, teams like Syracuse, like Minnesota, they spend all season saying, we, we want to make a bowl game. The goal of the season is to make a bowl game. And now that it's secured, and there's a variety of reasons, portal, draft, whatever, that a lot of those players that wanted to make a bowl game aren't playing in it. How do you, how do you I guess, do you reconcile all of that at this time of the year? You know, Brian, it's the one thing that I think is coming to surface now more than more, more and more as we move forward in this process. Because here's the deal. These guys are opting out to get ready for the draft. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to tell you that they're all going to get drafted because I've had guys that have opted out in the last four or five years that don't get drafted. Okay? They just simply do not get drafted. So when you tell me you're opting out for the draft, I respect your decision as a player and a person. And look, a lot of this was on the backside of Jalen Smith's injury in the Fiesta Bowl at Notre Dame a few years ago, right? And yeah. we all understand that. But somewhere along the way, in the world of name, image, and likeness, do we have to find a happy medium? I think so. Because here's the story. The New Year's Six game, the fact that Will Anderson and Bryce Young are playing for Alabama is breaking news. But we've got guys opting out. Like Josh Downs is not playing tonight for North Carolina. Well, Josh Downs is not going to catch a better pass between now and his first NFL training camp than the one he's going to catch from Drake May. So the logic of Josh Downs opting out to get ready for the draft, I get it. But don't tell me it's because you're worried. It's, It's simply an injury insurance prevention piece. And if you think that rookie contract is going to be that valuable to you, 
I, I understand if you're going in the first round, you should opt out. I get it. But if you're two, three, four, five, six, or seven or undrafted, I don't get it. And that's just the way, and I've been, you know this, I've been blessed to do the NFL for almost 20 years now. So I see the parallels, but we got to come up with something, whether it's the Bulls providing a stipend to these guys to play. If we're all caught up in that world and we can't put that genie back in the bottle right now as we know it, we got to find a reason. we got to find a way to say, okay, unless you're opting out for the draft or even the portal, Look, I heard this week where you know some coaches want to get rid of early signing period because it gets in the way of the portal. Well, good heavens, if that's the case, then let's bag early signing day and deal with the portal and let coaches have a little bit of freedom because I feel for guys like Dino Babers and his staff. Plus, you've had coaches leave and come on and things like that. I mean, we can't get out of our own way now from a uh, from an organizational standpoint in college football, and you know I. We're in a tough spot. There's no question. And you're bringing up a point that I'm telling you last night at dinner here in New York, we talked about the exact same thing. How do we get the kids to stay in play? Because all of them are not going to be drafted. It's like the basketball deal. Well, I'm going pro. It's 600 guys go pro. They draft 70. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But at the same time, I'm not going to fault the young person's decision like that. The Orange have, you know, two official – opting out for the uh, Garrett Williams uh, would have opted out but he's hurt so he's not playing anyway but you know Sean Tucker's very likely going to get drafted Matthew Berger I don't get drafted and I, I get it they're both out but you know one of the callers today said you know if, if Tucker was playing he was thinking I'd like to drive down and go watch Sean play uh, one more game but I guess at the same time you know right Wes you're a running back there's only so many carries in those legs if you're Sean then the other side of the coin is you know Mo Ibrahim on the other roster where he's a 60 year guy and he's going to be out there tomorrow well, and you know this, you got a guy who's going to catch a pass in Cooper who's a seventh-year guy, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's there's all sorts of shapes and sizes now. Look, Ibrahim is a different guy. He was devastated by an injury a year ago in the opening game. He's come back. He's posted a really strong year. Minnesota's also created a Finnish mentality about this, right? That's why I think Tanner Morgan has hung around. Now, Tanner Morgan may get a red carpet snap tomorrow. Who knows? But they've also got guys that opted out as well. I mean, they've had kids go in the portal and already commit to other schools. I mean, they had a nickelback and a linebacker commit to Rutgers and Georgia Tech, respectively. So I think you've got to understand the landscape. But at the same time, there are programs. And I think Will Anderson and Bryce Young are really good examples of kids that want to see the job get finished at Alabama, right? And maybe we need to preach that a little more as opposed to, hey, jump on out and do whatever you want to do. But like I said a moment ago, I think we're in a really tough spot. I understand Sean's decision. I, look, I don't have intimate knowledge of, of how this is going to play out for him, but I think he's going to be a pretty high draft pick, Ryan. He's got a skill set that the league craves, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. And he caught enough balls out of the backfield now to make an impression. And But I'd say the same thing about Aronde Gaston, too, when he comes out. I mean, he's going to be a factor because he now plays that hybrid slot, wide out, tight end. Roddy and I have a you know an argument about what, what in the world are we going to call that player, you know? Because to list him at tight end is incriminating to tight end, and yet he ought to be a wide receiver. I mean, when he came out as a tight end on the ACC style, I was like, you got to be kidding me. So... But, again, I, I think that's where we are in this landscape. I and mean, I think we've got to administrate that landscape a lot better than we currently do. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the ideas you said, like, hey, all these bowl games have sponsors attached to them, else they wouldn't exist. So some of that money probably just needs to be peeled off. Some of that players. money needs to come back off the hip, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, it just makes too much sense. And I think the leagues that are tied to these bowl opportunities, and look, I'm the first guy to tell you, 
It won't be sold out tomorrow. It's a made-for-television event. The ratings prove it. Um, I mean, the other last Wednesday night, Roddy and I did the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl that won the time slot three times the next event, um, and it was South Alabama and Western Kentucky. So it was a blowout, right? I know. I, yeah, it was a blowout, and we saw a kid in Austin Reed who I think is one of the more talented QBs coming back in college football next year, who was at Division Two West Florida a season ago. So it just goes to show you, right? The storylines we're writing in this sport now are just fabulous. Which brings us, Wes, to there, there's going to be a football game tomorrow. Like, we talk about all this stuff, yeah. and this is what's funny. Like, you, you got a football game tomorrow. What, what do you make of this game? What, what do you think you're going to see tomorrow? I worry about Minnesota's physicality, Brian, against Syracuse because of the guys that aren't there. Um, you know, it's going to take uh, – Minnesota's offensive line is second maybe to Michigan in the Big Ten. And all you got to do is look at uh, Ibrahim's numbers to see that. Um, and I think that's going to be a big part about what this game is, is can Minnesota just line up and run it? And if they can, uh, Ethan Kaliamakis then uh, becomes, you know, just the guy in the game. And he can throw the football, there's no question. And Brevin Spain Ford is a terrific tight end. Speaking of real tight ends, mm-hmm. I mean, a guy's 260 pounds. So I like who they are offensively. But if you look at their defensive numbers, their defensive numbers are just sick. Um, you know, Sori Mariano is a Mariano Sori is a is a terrific player. Um, the Linderbaugh is a terrific player at linebacker. They've got they're, they're really good on defense. I, I think Syracuse can fight it, but Syracuse is going to have to count on a concept I came up with years ago when I was at Georgia Tech. Who's your emerging bowl star, right? Like, whenever you have these opt-outs or you have injuries or you have something else, somebody steps up in the postseason and becomes that guy on the bowl stage. Is it LaQuint Allen tomorrow? Could it be? I mean, it could be. He's got enough talent to do it. I Mm -hmm. saw enough of a show that maybe he could push the envelope. Um, Is this the game Damian Alford breaks free? You know, is this the game Damian Alford showcases who he is? Uh, or is this the game Garrett Schrader carries himself to the next level with? I mean, there are all sorts of different things. And maybe it's a guy defensively, right? And you know as well as I do, Syracuse is clearly capable defensively. And the one thing that the Orange have going for them tomorrow is the changes that have happened on Dino's staff with obviously Robert and I to NC State, Tony White out to Nebraska, is they're not drastic changes. It's not like Jason Beck is a complete catalog change of Robert and I. It's not like that Nick Monroe or Rocky Long is a complete catalog change from what uh, Tony was doing defensively. So that is a positive for the Orange tomorrow. And if they play clean, I think they got a chance. But I think it's an uphill fight against a group that, that clearly may have a few more weapons in the holster, so to speak. Yeah, and a few more LBs, as you said. Around that, I don't mean linebackers Ooh. around the, the roster as well. They got that some... Offensive. Well, the center's one of the best players in the country. Yeah. Jason Michael Schmidt's one of the best players in the country. And, you know, people see him tomorrow, you're going to see a guy still playing in the NFL for a long time, in my opinion. All right, last thing for you, uh, Wes, and I found this out last year at the Battle for Atlantis was down there with the Orange women's basketball team. And, you know, they were not sponsoring my broadcast, as they are uh, yours in any way. But bad boy mowers, it's way too fun to say. I think I said it, like, oh, yeah. uh, like six times more necessary than it was. So, uh, my friend, enjoy that tomorrow because that's a lot of fun and it really shouldn't be. And let me give you the secret sauce. You missed your golden chance yesterday. Do you know the sideline analyst that was involved in the very first Bad Boy Mower sponsorship 
Roddy Jones. Okay, I did not know that. I, I failed the in bad my... Boy Mower, yeah, the Bad Boy Mowers Tropicana Bowl. Remember that one? It's the old uh, Trop Top in St. Pete. Okay. Uh, Roddy not only was involved in the broadcast, Roddy, against the rules and regulations of Bad Boy Mowers in the Bowl. Did he drive the mower? Got, oh, he went on the mower. He got on the mower. <laughs> and they found they, he did a sideline hit from sitting on the mower. And to this day, Mike Goley Jr. is furious about it. Because Roddy got to get on the mower, and he didn't. <laughs> and so tomorrow, you may or may not – I'm not telling you don't listen to Parky, my guy. Is, I mean, he'll be terrific. He and Adam will be great. But I'm just telling you, tomorrow you may see the picture of Roddy Jones riding the bad boy mower at the old bad boy mower St. Petersburg Bowl. Okay. Well, just uh, make sure he doesn't uh, get on one tomorrow and chop up right field. Uh, Aaron Judge won't like that too much, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll have our eyes open for that, Wes. All right. Enjoy a point a pint for me, my friend, today, and uh, we'll be watching tomorrow. Hey, thanks again, Brian. Appreciate it. Happy New Year. Look forward to seeing you guys in person in February when we're there for hoops. Okay? Right. Sounds good, Wes. We'll look forward to seeing you, you there. Got it. That is Wes Durham. I'll have the call with uh, Roddy Jones. I failed to ask Roddy about bad boy boys yesterday, and that is a uh, that's a big L on the host. Big L on the host. I'm going to wear the L. We, we will have Adam on. We'll see if he, he can get near a bad boy more. He'll be on at uh, 3.30. We'll have a quick uh, 411 and a 315 with Matt coming up next year on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.